Hey there, folks. What do you know? We are back once again. It is the Uticast, episode 152, and this week we are speaking with the studio manager of Sculpture Space, George Hendrickson. Great conversation. Great guy. Love talking to him. Also this week, we're going to recap the crazy story about the Utica School Board uh, concerning last week's guest, Brianna Moriarty. Who's on the school board? Nobody knows until tomorrow, it seems like. We'll dig into that more. Uh, plus, we'll recap some of the big stories of the week. Royal Wedding. Uh, we probably talk about Trump somewhere, and I think probably he probably did something wild. Uh, history lessons. Uh, climate change. And, of course, everyone's favorite, wild names for children. Y'all people got to chill out with your children's names out there. All that, folks, and much more. Uticast episode 152. We are happy to have you here. Good. I like a fiery start to the show. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back. It's episode 152. I had to look at the top of the screen because I forgot what episode we were at. 152. You know, I didn't even think about it. Again, not doing special episodes anymore. But 156 is actually the real three years in a row of doing the show. Oh. Right? That's pretty intense. Does not seem like it's been a full three years. Yeah. It really... I don't know why. I don't know. It why. only seems like three years on Mondays. <laughs> like, <laughs> Mondays feel three years long. Um, but the, it doesn't seem like we've been sitting here every single Monday for I know. Past three I don't years. even feel like I've been on here for over a year now. Well, you probably you haven't. haven't. How long have you been? Have you? Over a year. Just over a year, yeah. I know. We've been Ma- staring at each other across the table for over a year. Now making you the second longest tenured host on it? Was, was she Has she been on long? I'd have to probably go back and do the research, but there's a real chance that you, much like my stepdad, has actually been around more than my real dad, Aaron Higgins. So shout out to... <laughs> <laughs> so there's a real chance that's the reality. So I, I'm very, I have to look it up now and do the research. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Heather, congratulations. Uh, you've been on the show for oh, yeah. over a year. Oh, yeah. And... It's your 47th birthday today. No, it's not 47. <laughs> yeah, what did you say it was? 37. 37. Well, you don't look a day over 47. So, <laughs> so. No, no, thank you. <laughs> I'm Jesus. sorry. Don't. No, I'm just teasing you. What? You were don't about look, to say don't something. look at me you and say don't. You were ready to say something I tell and you, you didn't say anything. I tell you just whatever. all the time. What? That if you told me that you were 27, I would never think twice and I would believe you every single time. I can't I'm 27. believe. I cannot believe that you're as old as you are and you don't look that way at all. So don't you castigate okay, me into okay. some sort of villain just because it's your birthday. Birthday. Are you doing anything for your birthday? This is the first time I've never planned my own party. Isn't it great? No. I, oh. li- I like the attention. Do you? I, I like uh, birthday attention. <laughs> I do. So where's my presents? <laughs> Can I tell you, I don't know if I've gotten worse at it over the years, but I've gotten a little bit of attention this week because people have come to tell me they liked the video, and I've gotten pretty bad at accepting... Oh, you hate it. I, it's I, I do not. I do not like it. I it's love, hilarious. That video is great, though. Thank you. I had to I text you. I had to tell you. It's it not awesome. that I... 
It's not that I don't think the video was great. It's that I don't feel like I deserve the praise on this one because TK did, like, most of the real heavy lifting. Like, all that aftermarket, like, the stuff that makes it look like a comic book, that's a lot of, like, production work on the production end. And that's the unfortunate part about what he does is yeah. you never see that part. So I do feel like it's important for me to represent for our pal uh, Tom Knudsen, GFOP, mm-hmm. many-time member of the show and of the Midnight crew, that he deserves more credit than he gets on it. It sounds to me like you're just trying to be all shucks guy. Like, yeah, oh, no, yeah. please. No, this is a team win. I yeah. couldn't have made it here without TK yeah. and without all these other people. And I, and like I appreciate you God, saying. And I like to thank well, Let's not get crazy. <laughs> okay, sorry. I, I like to thank <laughs> Satan. Uh, no, uh, let's not get crazier. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I, uh, I think what I should do now, maybe I'll just do a LeBron thing where I, if, I, if it's really good, I'm just going to take all the credit for it. And then if it's bad, I'm just going to make my teammates couldn't step up to the plate. The Justin Parkinson Justin model. Parkinson. Yeah, the Justin Parkinson model. Sure. Very good. Uh, Heather, I also saw you over the weekend. You did. Which uh, is not as, uh, which is a more rare occurrence than you'd think considering well, we see each other. Well, it's two weekends in a row, actually. Two week- I know, two weekends in a row. It's, other than wow. Mondays. It's almost like we're... like we're, real friends now. It's almost like we're real friends. I was going to say it's almost like we're engaged, but that's the difference between millennials <laughs> and old folks, right? That's the way we feel about relationships. Uh, it was nice to see you at Woodland uh, for the Passport uh, release party. I even thought it was pretty cool how you brought your kid to a bar yeah. strong move it's not his first time <laughs> you ever get <laughs> chastised for that because i'm sure no, that, like, there's some not people there, like late no people love we to go, see a kid we're the latest we're ever at a place is like seven but you i know, feel so. like i feel like if i brought my kid into no. like the bar i would definitely get at least one person who's like no. ah, look at that i would, that's a, I would that's love a, somebody a, to say something to me that's an outdated <laughs> mode of thinking i think uh, it's different everybody now. everybody brings their kids to yeah the bar like now. we bring them to woodland or we'll bring you certainly don't bring them like celtic carpet one in the morning but <laughs> like yeah, just go just because it's a bar. Bars are all like as as craft beer has exploded, become more popular, and as more small breweries and you know brewery slash restaurants type type places yeah, yeah. have popped up and try to brand themselves as destinations. Mm. Uh, I mean, I think kids are you know kids are something you see all the time. Yeah, yeah. like we brought his rain boots and we got to have beer and he jumped in puddles. Well, because that's the thing. Like, you're having a <laughs> yeah, it worked out really well. Yeah, they've got a big field and everything like that. Yeah. You know, it's certainly you know you're not bringing people down to like Benji's or no, the Highland or, or Camachos, R.I.P. Yo, Camachos, <laughs> Macho Camachos. Uh, I will say you have a, an adorable son. He is very Thank cute. You. Uh, if you want to sell out your son's cuteness, he's on your. You just pull up on your iPhone as I said it. I like said your son's so cute. Then your iPhone, uh, I watch comes to life. That's because she's got her whole life rigged together. On the <laughs> Which one would you like? There's you, so many pictures here. You know what I have on my phone? There's a picture of Bobby Firmino from oh, Liverpool. That's okay, the kind of relationships wow. we're going to talk about wow. more of that later. Sorry, guys. Um, no, it was really nice to see you. Thank Had you. a great time. Um, and I'll move on for that because we're going to come back to some stuff in a minute. Uh, Kevin. Yes. How's it going, big guy? Hi. Coffee. Here. I appreciate it. Yes. Yeah. Present. Kevin made us all coffee. Give me Kevin. Sam. And it's very rare we actually yeah. all are drinking You know coffee. what, Heather? I couldn't have made this coffee for you without the tireless work of Sam and everybody else at the Uticast. <laughs> true. One it's of Utica's true. favorite Tuesday releasing podcasts. Number one on Stitcher. <laughs> number one on Stitcher and all of Android. Uh, Kev, we just, uh, before, before we watch, this is a little behind the curtain, a little peek behind the Uticast curtain. I'm a pretty routine-based guy for the most part. I feel like I, <laughs> yeah, I feel like I tend to fall in the same kind of routine over and over again. So yes, much. sir. Uh, so on Mondays, before I start getting the show ready, I typically watch two television shows uh, before we get the show ready. Watch yes. John Oliver, if there's a new one, and Saturday Night Live. Um, just because it sort of gets me in the vibe before we're doing the show, for whatever reason, right? So we wa- we've watched pretty much this whole season of SNL just sort of like on the Mondays after the show. Heather's phone is ringing out <laughs> oh, loud. Oh, wow, ringing out loud. 
I'm sorry. Keep Capital going. P I, professional. I like I'm so rude today. Continue with your story <laughs> about your shows you watched yeah. before you. No, no, I'm saying. <laughs> so we've probably accidentally watched the whole series of SNL pretty much this year. Like pretty much every episode, I feel You like. always skip the musical performances, but yes. Um, usually because by the time I've got it timed out, it's time for me to get ready for the show. I should go back and watch them more often because a lot of times I like them. That's just a timing thing more than anything else. Hmm. Although I did want to go back and watch Nicki Minaj from yesterday because I did not see her. Oh, is that who it was? Nicki Minaj. That's your girl. That is my girl. So go ahead. I feel like you're laddering up something. Well, I just had a, look, I've talked a lot about how much I enjoy SNL. I'm a big SNL supporter. But as a guy who I've, I make you watch it a lot, do you even like Saturday Night Live? Do you find it enjoyable? I would like to state for the record, you don't make me do a damn thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like SNL. SNL is 100% dependent on um, the, the host. Okay. Where I like it in varying degrees. Like, I remember we watched, and it was Donald Glover a couple weeks ago or something. Yeah. It was a little bit better than usual. And then yeah. I've seen it. I'm trying to think of somebody who stands out as somebody that wasn't that great, but it was a little bit worse than usual. You know what I mean? So um, I think the bar yeah. varies very much on who's on it. Uh, I, I guess the reason I was bringing it up is last night was the finale to the season for SNL. So Was it? Yeah, it was the season. No wonder they had all those people out there. They had tons of people out there. Okay. All the stars were out. Most of the stars were not on the show, just like cameos, basically. Uh, let me ask you a question. Is SNL having... Do you think it's worse now than it was because of the current political climate? I was thinking about this this last week. Like, the show is so dialed into having like Trump stuff and political stuff. It kind of becomes hard to for the show to stay funny and relevant all the time, I feel like. I, I think it's to a detriment that they're forced to do so much politics, I guess, is the point I'm getting at after watching this whole season. Um, that's, that's the hot take that I've been reading around. Um, I suppose, but I feel like they only do, like, they'll do their opening segment, then maybe one more. No, I don't, I don't notice it making any, I mean, SNL's literally always done politics since the beginning of time. Yeah. They've I, always, their cold opens have been heavily, heavily, heavily hmm. rooted in politics and current events. Hmm. The whole, you know, 25 some odd years I've been watching, I don't think it's any different I think when a show is 30 to 40 years old, people have to stretch to find more angles to continue to write about it. Mm. And then that sort of worms its way in. But no, I don't notice a drop in quality, certainly. Okay. I was just curious, because uh, I feel like they, they say the ratings were down this year as opposed to last year, and I wonder if some of it has to do with people sort of getting burned off. Everybody's ratings are down. Yeah? Everybody, yeah. Think about it. We watch You watch Saturday Night Live every single week. You're never counted in the ratings. That's a good point. You watch it on YouTube. It's true. Yeah, that's and place those numbers roll exact most people do. Most younger people do. You know what I mean? So like I ratings are down is no longer necessarily a good barometer for a lot of shows. Like they talk about, you know, a lot of different sporting events and things like that. Like ratings are down. Well, yeah, because I'm streaming it on the laptops, I'm not gonna pay for cable. It's a great point, actually. You know? It's a good point. Uh, and I bet you if you look at the YouTube numbers for a lot of these, they're probably very good for the most part. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to look, I'd have to do some research, but even I want to say, just the cold open from this week's episode, I want to say I noticed it was like 2.5 million people. And I would was... be willing to bet that the YouTube numbers have been going up every year. It's hmm. the only time I watch it is on YouTube. On YouTube. Like, if I see a clip for something, I Do you watch, watch late night TV on YouTube, too? No. Like, you don't watch, like, if you watch Stephen Colbert, are you watching it live or are you watching it on YouTube? Oh, I'm okay, saying, YouTube. On YouTube, yeah, it's right. Like, so. You don't have cable at all. My dad just got rid of cable, and he feels like he, he he feels like he just entered a world that he'd only heard rumors about, right? Like he's just like, look at all these sports channels. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm like wow. Uh, all right, so we need to talk a little bit. Oh, um, again, before we move on, uh, passport release party went really well. We had a great time. Uh, the brunch the next day was very solid. I ate a lot of food. We won some trivia, which was nice. Um, 
Again, go to MadeInUtica.com. I would like to point out quickly that when I showed up at brunch, because I was a little bit late, um, the, the Made in Utica team, Sands, Trader, Justin, Parkinson, Huge were losing. The whole team had one point in trivia. They were at the very bottom. I sat down and grabbed a cup of coffee, got a mimosa, because it's a Sunday. Grabbed a plate from the buffet. We won. Now, in the process of doing this, though, Heather, what he what he what he fails to mention is that I got squeezed out. He squeezed me out when he walked in. I don't squeeze you out. Squeeze me out. That's squeeze you out. Squeezed out. That's squeeze you out. You're in. You're in the whole time. That's squeeze you out. You're right there. So they they won because of you. Uh, no, I think that uh, we had a t- our team was big. We had like five people on our team. I Ken and Amy had like eight. We were all weirdos though. Those folks seemed very nice um, and very friendly, and our crew was like you and me and Aaron Higgins, and we knew a lot. We know a lot of useless knowledge between the crew we had over there. We were a good demographic for trivia. Let's put it that way. We all had different areas of expertise, right? Yeah. How about Higgins coming in knowing that weird alphabet and like knowing people knowing bizarre things? Like Game of War, uh, God stuff? of War. I got yeah. a lot of I got a lot of credit for that one. Apparently, right, you are the resident video game guy. Yeah, for sure. Even though you don't play, like, you're not a gamer compared to gamers, but compared to the rest of the squad, you're for sure the gamer. I'm like a grumpy old man gamer. Surprise, surprise. Uh, so, yeah, had a nice time on Sunday. Uh, again, folks, makingutica.com. Get your passports. I have one in front of me that is my mom's. And I have to say, the actual physical... It's awesome. It's really nice it's once awesome. you have the physical uh, <laughs> copy in your hand. It's really, really cool. The video doesn't do it justice. Okay, so last week on the show, we need to discuss this. Brianna Moriarty. Uh, our guest, uh, candidate for school Utica School Board, was announced that she had won election. We were so proud. One vote is what we were told, according to the OD on Twitter. Uh, so it's naturally we ascribed to ourselves. <laughs> of course, yes. The Uticast. <laughs> yeah, the Uticast. No one voted. That no, one but... vote. No, but I'm saying like at least the very one. Somebody here. Yeah. I mean, somebody I voted here. for her. I can say it because it's over now and she was on the yeah. show. She won by one vote. Was that one vote mine? Was it longtime listeners like Ken and Amy, Melfire? Did one of those people go out and vote for her? Was that the one vote? Who's to say? Who's to say? So obviously we were very excited when we found out the next day that she had won by one vote. I really and I really leaned into this on Twitter for people who probably noticed. Uh, and then uh, au contraire, this t- <laughs> this was not exactly uh, the truth. Results are now currently being delayed in the Utica school board election. It seems to be a big mess. Uh, the reason being, we had not they had not initially counted absentee ballot uh, ballot votes uh, when they did the initial uh, the initial results. Don't they like a protocol that they follow? That's what I said. I was very curious about like that. A checklist. Yeah. <laughs> like. Sorta, of, but not really. But still, re- it's a vote. It's keep it continuing. No, no, it's a great point though because I would thought think it was they weird. should. I'm I fine. mean, <laughs> just like what? I've seen some of the people they get to work down there at these events, and I get it. They're not, you know, they're they're volunteering their time. They're so about, they're volunteering the time, putting the time and effort where you're not. So try like yeah, those exactly. Old ladies will come for you. Yeah. Uh, so the idea is the absentee ballots had not been counted, and then. Uh, this is something that I had not known. I should have asked Brianna about this when she was on the show. There was a period of time uh, when she was deemed ineligible to run. However, a Supreme Court judge ruled that all the names who were initially voted should have been on the ballot. So there were two ballots that went out. The first mm-hmm. ballot that only had four names and the second ballot, which had all six names. So the first ballot has to be scrubbed. 
every ballot that comes back with only four names is being canceled. And now they're only taking the six-person ballots as absentee ballots. This wouldn't seem like such a big deal, except this race was really close. Mm -hmm. Like, even with the adjusted results, Brianna had won by four, and then the third place people were tied, which I think at the time was Don Dawes and... So uh, anybody. It's a really crazy story. Yeah, anybody. Hey, is this my thing. If the people of Utica came out, and all, how many people voted? Like 2,000? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, like, we'll say, like, I think the top vote getter, I don't think, got more than 2,000 votes. So we'll say ballpark 2,500 people voted. We'll be yeah. generous. Sure. How many absentee ballots are really coming back? That's kind of yeah. what... Well, if it wasn't so close... Like, if you got, got 2,000 people voting out of, like, a population of, what, about 60,000, yeah. we'll oh. say... I mean, those percentages look like, what, maybe one, two? Yeah, but But this... when it's only between one vote, four votes, <laughs> yeah. you got to wait and see. But, man, it's just, it's a, it's a crazy, it's got to be frustrating for all the people who ran, who put in all the hard work on their campaign. Yes. And I'd imagine it's very much like, look, at this point, just let me know, because we've got to get to work. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, mm. it's got to be really frustrating to twist in the wind and not really have that, you know, payoff of did you win or did you lose. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. That everything sort of culminates up to. Now I've done a little. I've, I've been looking for research on this for the last couple of days, and my most recent, uh, my most recent journalism investigation has led me to believe that Wednesday on the twenty second is when we're supposed to hear a definitive answer. So by the time you guys hear this, it'll be tomorrow. We should have a definitive answer whether or not GFO Brianna Moriarty won or lost Utica School Board election. So here's rooting for Brianna. I feel, I feel sad for her. Did you go vote? No. Of course not. I didn't. I'm sorry, Brianna. I didn't vote. I could have been the second one for you. <laughs> See? Sorry. See? These close races. I will now. I have a kid. I'm getting into it now. Well, you know what's funny? I work with a lot of people. You vote in everything. Oh, everything that you can stop. vote for. It's your civic duty. I will. You I like Claudia? Like... Really? We're going to go that far? Vote. Wow. Go ahead. <laughs> wow. Okay. Drink your coffee. Uh, so, yeah. We will update that again next week. Uh, so... I did want to run through... There's a lot of stuff that happened this week, and a lot of it is sort of too big to dig into one particular segment. So, uh, I'm going to do something different. We're going to run through five or six of the biggest news stories of the week, and uh, if you guys have any feelings about them, we'll just dig into them, okay? Let's start with the one everyone's talking about, the royal wedding that took place earlier this week. Prince Harry and American actress from the show Suits, Meghan Markle which I know because I watch wrestling and they're on the same channel. I think that's weird. It's super weird whenever there's like a commercial on for wrestling. I'm like, hey, it's the princess. Look at her. She looks great. Uh, do you, <laughs> she does. Uh, let me ask you this, guys. 30 million people in America, just in America, watched the royal wedding. Did any of you guys watch it or have any care at all? I mean, I think I already know the answer. No. No, you did not watch it. No, I didn't watch it. Certainly no. not, no. no. I was thinking of the 4 o'clock in the morning. Is that when it was? I, I missed... I, that was the thing that I thought was weird. People were like, did you watch it? I was like, did I miss it? Did it, <laughs> did it happen already? Uh, why do, Why are people so fascinated by this, if you had to guess? She's a princess. Is that every just girl, what it is? Every girl dreams about becoming a princess when they're younger, so it's just... Not like, you, apparently. You didn't care. Not you were not me. into it. I mean, it. <laughs> not, most girls do. So it was, I don't know, something... If I'm trying to be romantic about it, it is sort of crazy that, like, this girl is now a real honest-to-God princess, right? Like, that is that not, it's not weird? You give me a, you give me a dirty look over here. It's not a dirty look. <laughs> I think it's more of her story that a lot of people like. Yeah, I think right, so, too. Like, all the, her whole story is what brought She's certainly likable because yeah. she reminds me of a lot of people I know, like most of my family, <laughs> who are having nuts family members who won't show up at weddings for various reasons. I can relate to that. That's kind of why I support it. 
What I've noticed is I'm more fascinated in all the think pieces that people were writing about, like, why are people interested in this in 2018. I read a lot of those. So maybe I'm part of the problem. Oh, they're marketing it to you. <laughs> yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, nobody... no This year, what I've seen, because you can always follow, like, the popular blog topics, then people are like, you know... And as this year, that's what they were talking about. Nobody was interested in the royal wedding. Everybody's interested in the people that are interested. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the angle this time around. Do the English watch this? No. Do they not? They probably care less than us, right? There's certainly people there that care. But yeah, no, the English generally laugh at Americans about it. They're like, yeah, I don't really get it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, because it's not like a real thing. Like, that's that's why I gave you that look. And you're like, well, this person's an honest-to-God princess. It's like, technically, they have that title. And they married him a lot of money. So I gotcha. But like, these people don't don't do anything they're just figureheads they're a tourist trap uh and I, <laughs> I think that's they don't they have nothing to do with the government it's not really a monarchy the way that it used to be yeah, so true. the people in england are like no these are just like some assholes that get written about the tabloids yeah rich landowners for the most part i was interested in her family though i won't lie i was her. all the stories i heard I because it's relatable yeah they're not she's not a rich landowner no, they're funny uh so let's uh let me ask you this question i was curious about this is there an American equivalent to this? That like something that happens in America that other people will not? I don't think presidential inauguration. I don't think other countries care about it in that way. Probably Obama's. Maybe Obama's. Yeah. Certainly not Trump's. Even though it was the biggest, it's the biggest one ever. So many people. Uh, no, is there an American version of this that other countries get excited for? No, no, no not at all. Not. They watch. They don't have to. For this, this is one singular event that comes out of England uh, that that people are consuming. Yeah. For us, the American culture is kind of the dominant culture in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. They watch all of our stuff. Like you know what you know what American thing they watch the way that people watch the Royal Wedding is like Infinity Wars. <laughs> yes, they love Avengers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's not like even <laughs> something like the Super Bowl doesn't really translate. You know what I mean? It's. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they don't like that. Because they don't like our version of football. Well, no. I guess they sort of like it now. I've been told. They're being told that they're, they're supposed to like it. They're being told they're supposed. They keep trying. We're gonna get a game over there. God <laughs> damn it! Whether you like it or not. Um, all right, so let's move on because uh, that took longer than I thought it would. Uh, what else? President Trump said he will demand the Justice Department probe into the FBI's use of informants. Uh, I mean, I don't really know <laughs> where to like start. Like an eight-year-old child saying that. Yeah, I demand you tell me what we're doing here, because uh, I really don't know. Uh, I don't know, man. I feel like I, I get scared talking about like Trump stuff, because I feel like the minute we talk about it, it's going to change into something wildly different tomorrow, right? Like, it feels so scattershot. Um, so, yeah, i move on from that. Uh, here's a serious one. We, uh, I didn't want to do a whole segment to it, but there was another shooting in Texas this week, the Santa Fe High School. Um, this one produced a lot of really horrendous takes. Did you see? I saw one take that I'm just going to... I saw a, a, a politician, one of the governor of Texas, say that one of the problems is there's too many entrances and yeah, exits into that. schools. I'm like, do you understand? That doesn't even make sense from a safety standpoint to just have one. Like, that is, I, there's a lot of really terrible takes out of here. And a lot of people blaming the parents again, too. A lot of people. Well, yeah, because it was his parents' gun, right? It was the yeah, parents, yeah well, the father's. Just, they, like, how could they not know that there was something wrong with them? But mental illness is not always easy to detect and how the severity of it. I don't like the idea that people can't just look at the whole thing as one package. Like, yes, there's a gun control problem, but there's also a mental health problem. There's also, like, all of these things. Are inter- it's not just one or the other. I feel like there's a lot of arguing about mm. trying to pick one over the other, and it's not really the way it works. Um, I don't know, that's, that's all I really have to say. I, oh. I can't believe you talk about the, the worst take. Oh, what was the worst one? <laughs> the worst take. It made the door guy look like, look like a genius. Um, oh no! Yeah, the take where they were talking about 
<laughs> you, you really didn't hear about the Riverstones take? No. no. What is this? So they what? said what somebody's proposing that they do is gather a bunch of Riverstones. Okay, stop. Just stones that have been in the river. <laughs> so they're nice and smooth. Easy to toss. Pay attention. Oh that God. part's going to be important <laughs> real soon. And uh, that they keep they keep oh. you know buckets of them around, okay. and so that way, that way this is something I saw, I swear I heard this on like conservative talk radio. They were like that way, you know, if somebody's gonna commit a shooting, they know they're gonna get stoned up real good, God. and so oh it might make God. them rethink about it. Now we have a draw. And even the the people on the conservative radio, even they were like, no, no, <laughs> no. Oh God, that's not yeah. So river stones yeah. and no yeah. more doors. Can I see? I'll say the best take I've seen out of this though. I'm seeing a lot of people. Doing the anti thoughts and prayers campaign on this because yeah, I'm big into that. that. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> big into that. I'm glad to see that's gaining some traction. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, the Hawaii volcano still is posing a new threat. Acid from the lava called Laze is pouring into the ocean and presenting new health threats for people in well, Hawaii. Yeah, they had a big explosion the other day. That's mm. sad. Uh, health hazards for lays include lung, eye, and skin irritation. Be aware that lay, uh, lays plumes travel with the wind and can change direction without warning. Volcanoes, man. Wild. Scary. Really scary stuff. Yeah. I feel like another story being underreported. Absolutely. Under- Do you think so? No, I definitely I don't think, think so. Like it's not that it's underreported. No, I feel like I barely Depends where I go. NPR covers that, it a lot. Wait, there you go, though. Yeah, NPR there is covering go. it a You're lot. You're not going to find it on like, the AV club. I feel like... Yeah. All of the, I mean, any major like news or world news places, I feel like it's been like 24-7. That Trump and royal wedding is all yeah. I've seen. Um, and then we have two more. Uh, one more. Uh, guys, you know the uh, Justify, the horse, won the Preakness and is now on the, has a chance to win the Triple Crown. Do you care? Nope. That's the thing I mean, people were excited about. Come on, Triple Crown. That was the thing people cared about. Yeah. Oh, all right. Nope. Okay. Who's doing a uh, fundraiser to watch the Preakness at Masonic Home over the weekend? Oh. And they were charging twelve thousand five hundred dollars a table. Wait, what? What? Twelve thousand five hundred dollars mm-hmm. a table? Do people care that much? I guess they do. It's packed. Huh? Wow. People like to gamble. I and hey, gambling no, is. No, it's uh, people. Oh. It's people like to be seen as having money. You, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's that Utica thing where it's like <laughs> we're we're super wealthy for here, so we got to make sure everybody knows that we got some money. Uh, so those are all some of the, ma- the big stories of the week. There's one other story. I'm calling this the "We're sneaking it in" segment. This is something that probably happened. You may not have seen. Uh, this was, uh, I want to say today or Monday, uh, from the time you guys saw this, uh, Supreme Court, uh, voted five to four, uh, in a decision to uphold forced arbitration agreements, uh, which basically means that precludes employees from pursuing class action lawsuits against employers. Uh, it now requires people to fire individual arbitration. Uh, few lawyers are willing to do individual arbitration, much less than are willing to do class action lawsuits. And also, this is dangerous for people because the cost for a lot of low-income workers to actually go into individual arbitration if they have a problem is generally not worth the cost of actually going for it. This is a real crummy thing that Supreme Court did to uh, workers, so uh, I'm not surprised you're not hearing it over the it. yeah over the sound of uh, John McCain's uh, funeral plans and Rudy Giuliani and... Uh, don't Trump calling MS-13 animals and all that. So this won't get the headlines, but look it up. It's important. Tough stuff for people who don't have as much and are fighting against these corporations. So that's it. There we go. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's good. Let's go to this week's interview. Uh, a guy, you know, sometimes I don't know any of these. Sometimes I don't know these folks before they come in. I don't have any idea, and sometimes I know them. George is one of these guys I had no idea. I'd never met him before. Uh, but man, what a nice guy. I couldn't believe how much we, how quickly we got along, how quickly the conversation got flowing. 
Really, really great time talking about Sculpture Space, uh, their upcoming event, Seven Days of Art Experiences. Um, again, let's get into the interview. Studio manager, George Hendrickson. Uh, oh yeah, we'll be right back. Sometimes I, you know what's funny too, I'll write down notes. I'm like a meticulous note taker, yeah. and then I find myself um, like skipping past half of them once the conversations start because we get caught up in other things. Uh, dates, times, dates. dates. Oh, that's, that's my downfall. That's your downfall. Well, I do have some press releases here that we can use as well, so I'll keep that open as well. Um, it's a pleasure to meet you, George. You as well. Thank you. Uh, uh, well, I appreciate that. No one knows, knows who I am normally. <laughs> so, uh, and I have to say, I just want to throw this out there when. Um, I've been talking sort of on and off about having Sculpture Space on here with uh, our mutual friend, uh, Mary Hayes Gordon, uh, for a while now, right? Um, uh, and it just, I've been sort of caught up with other things, so I'm really glad to finally make this, uh, finally got a chance to do this. It's really exciting. Well, it's exciting for me, too. I mean, this is an interview thing I don't do very often. So. <laughs> um, well, the, well the, and this is, I guess, weird. My first impression of sculpture space as a building as a concept for me was I run the Boilermaker for the last few years uh, like the last four years in a row oh yeah yeah. and I always feel like at the end of the Boilermaker for me I end up in front of sculpture space looking at all the stuff as I'm like exhausted and tired and I'm always like yeah sculpture space I like this place <laughs> yeah we've been trying we've been trying to sort of uh tag team that vibe for a while. I mean, uh, having some there. picnic tables out mm. there, have, allow them to come past the buses that are parked oh, yeah. on, on There's so many street. people there. It's yeah. nice to have another extra space where there's a little more, like... It's calm. It's yeah. away from it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not great. That's my worst part about doing the Boilermaker always was... I don't do well with like having to deal with all the people after the race is over. Yeah. Right? I'm like sweaty and gross. I'm like, oh God, I just don't want anyone to touch me. Please no. <laughs> please impossible no, at no, that point. Please nobody touch me. <laughs> uh, folks, we are here today with George Hendrickson. He is the studio manager. Did I get that right? You did. Of Sculpture, of Sculpture Space. And uh, we're here today to talk a little bit about Seven Days of Art Experiences, which is coming up on June 5th through the 14th. Should no, be fun. Yeah. I'm very excited for it. Uh, and that's all going to be at 12 Gate Street at the Sculpture Street location? It is, yeah. yeah. Big white building, big orange sign. Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But uh, before we do, uh, George, I want people to get to know a little bit about you on the show. So uh, I'll ask you the most standard of all questions. Uh, where are you from? Um, probably not a standard answer. My, my uh, folks met at Griffiths in Rome. Okay. Um, father oh, from Pennsylvania, mother from Rome. And... Uh, traveled sort of everywhere as a kid every two years sort of hopping from mm, base sure. to base to base so would you refer to yourself as a military brat or is that a oh, term yeah. that we don't, no, no, <laughs> I don't no, know no, if that's, that's a PC term anymore I don't know if it's PC anymore <laughs> but it certainly is a term we threw around yeah. quite a bit yeah uh, how do you feel I, I've had a couple uh, interviews over the years who grew up in that sort of uh, family lifestyle growing up where you're sort of bouncing around 
And I don't notice any really overarching commonalities. Like, people seem to react to it differently. How do you feel like it affected you having sort of that sort of almost, I wouldn't call it nomadic, but sort of a, a you know, moving around a lot, changing experiences? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, I guess the most glaring bit of that is you don't have friends from childhood, right? Friends from childhood, You don't, you don't right, get yeah. the ch- friends since you were four and toddlers and growing up together at the same schools. Um, I never experienced it until really I met my wife and heard all of her stories. Um, <laughs> right. uh, being in military, you were surrounded by other military brats that had the same experience. It's, uh, I don't know, it was always fun. You're, you make friends very quickly and, and you move on and make new friends. So I guess, uh, I guess my next question would be, is there any particular place that you consider to be home at this point in time? Like, what's your home safe space? Oh, safe space. Safe space is is on the couch with the dogs <laughs> and, and Cindy. Uh, Smart. That's my safe space. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I guess what, you're in Westmoreland now, though, right? In Westmoreland yeah. now. I th- I guess I guess you can always call Rome. Uh, we can Rome. always call Rome my home because I'm yeah. always coming back to family from Rome. And I don't want to jump too far ahead, but is there any connection between the, uh, what you guys have done at Griffiths and you sort of feeling like that's your home place? You guys have that, uh, the sculpture that you guys are doing up there, don't you? Yeah, we, we started uh, bringing in sculptures to the Griffiths Park. Yeah, um, the International uh, Sculpture Garden. Right, yeah. prior, to, prior to my coming to Sculpture Space. Oh, okay, all right. And one of my pieces got put in the right before I started at Sculpture Space. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see that hit Rome. Okay. Um, so, yeah. All right, cool. I was just curious if there was any sort of connection there. I sort of made that in my head when I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what did you do for college? You were at Pratt for college, or you went to MPW for college? Yeah, I, I bounced around a bit at MV for a little bit right out of mm. high school. And then. Um, where did you, I, I should ask, where was your high school graduation? Where did you graduate from? Uh, graduation was in Westover Senior High in North Carolina. North Carolina? Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And so, you. Yeah. Four years prior to that in um, Aviano, Italy. So. Oh, wow. Wow, really? So I got it's a strange got, role uh, you had here. Yeah, I got a, sort of ripped out of Italy in my junior year, tossed into North Carolina to finish it up. Yeah. So now, of course, I know everyone. We all love you to get here. It's the best. Yeah, you miss Italy at all sometimes. Oh yeah, well, I mean, it's really just the the being there, the presence of oh, it. Yeah. You know, right at right at the foothills of the Alps, oh, you're man. waking. It's like I'm sure what a Coloradan feels like. Oh right? yeah, and seeing the Rockies every morning when you get up, white white peaks everywhere. Wonderful feeling. God, that's got to be such. You know, it's funny when I was uh, when I was on the road and I was younger, played in a band, so we did the whole like driving around the country thing. But we always went to the Midwest, and it was always a downer because you're driving around and it's just like, wow, look at all this totally flat land for Lovely miles. Corn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just like, huh, this is not exactly the uh, the Californias and San Francisco's, the vistas and the valleys and such, right? But they've done some great things with it in the Midwest, right? You go well, to the, the Corn Palace out in South Dakota. Well, the funny part about to me about the Midwest was certainly growing up in New York, right? Being an upstate New Yorker and then I spent a lot of time in New York City over the years. I have, I guess I certainly have a little bit of an East Coast bias just growing up. And I think East Coast folks sometimes get this impression of having a little bit of a cynical chip on their shoulder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so when I went to the Midwest the first time, I was a young, young man, and uh, I probably was like, where are we? DeKalb, Illinois. I mean, uh, but I, what I found out there was really interesting, unique little pockets of culture and society. Like, I, when I got to Minneapolis, that was a whole, that was like something different. I was like, I did not expect myself to love everything about this so right. much, right? right? Yeah, yeah. So the Midwest, I think, is interesting. It's little pockets of things surrounded by vast spaces of emptiness. <laughs> yeah, and I got I got a taste of that too. Yeah. Ours was in the Southwest. When, yeah. when we first got married, we went to Albuquerque and lived there for a number oh, of years. Oh, really? What's um, that like? 
it's an alien landscape and and so incredibly beautiful once you get to to know it i and in fact i love when you ask me about what where do i call home you know um it's a toss-up between yeah. albuquerque and rome you know and i feel like uh like a like a normal person when i say this like the only thing i really know about albuquerque is watching breaking bad right so i think yeah, yeah. that's i think that's like a bad like <laughs> kind of a bad impression, <laughs> kind of a bad impression <laughs> I have about it. But it, but that starkness, that like driving out of the city and finding yourself on the moon, basically, yeah. is is reality. It's very striking. Yeah. It is very alien in yeah. a way when you watch it. it and feels... you can watch, you know, you, people talk about watching a thunderstorm roll into town yeah. from Sandia Peak, which is the ridge line above Albuquerque. You can watch it from hundred miles away, and you can see the storm rolling through. Very interesting. And uh, and I can tell just by speaking to you and knowing what you do for a living, you have a very artistic mind. And uh, I know I tend to consider that myself about myself. Sometimes I don't know if other people do it, but there is something very beautiful in watching like these these singular moments in nature like that. Oh, absolutely! It's very, yeah. it's very, uh, it grips you to the ground a little bit. Reminds you where you are <laughs> sometimes. I remember being in uh, uh, it was like ten or eleven in the Philippines, and oh, wow, we really? were. We were in the middle of monsoon season, never seen a monsoon or really understood it. Being being that small anyway, you don't really understand that. Mm. And the weather, the extremes of weather, that's when mm. I knew that's, I, I sort of loved Mother Nature just sort of letting us know mm. she's around, you know. Do you spend time in nature now? Do you like a outdoorsman at all? Uh, as much as I can. Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a wannabe outdoorsman, very busy <laughs> otherwise. Yeah. I'm like a casual outdoorsman. Yeah. <laughs> I have a camp in Boonville that's like, oh, I can go fishing or I can grill or make a fire. But there's also a bed I could go inside, and I guess I could use... There's a bathroom inside as well, right? There's no, yeah. cable. There's no cable. It's not like that kind of thing. But, like, it's not totally roughing it in the way that, like, my ancestors may have. Well, and as you get older, you know, your body starts telling you what you should and shouldn't do. And, you know, air mattress while camping is a good thing. Well, let me tell you, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to take a, a guess at how old you are, because uh, I feel like I'd be totally wrong, whatever way I chose. Uh, but I'm, I'm about 32 years old, and I cannot believe... In the amount of time it's taken me since I turned 30, how many dumb, small, little injuries I got that I never would have gotten in my 20s. So I was like, oh, I turned my head the wrong way. I can't move my back for three days. That's right. Oh, exactly right. It's like, what? where did that come from? How did that happen? I sometimes had to think back. I'm like, okay, this arm is, like, sore. What could I have possibly done? <laughs> did I cut an orange? Did I do something weird? Right, the right. The dishes? Uh, I've gotten way off track. Uh, so, Munson Williams Proctor Art Institute, you're mm. back there study. What were you? What kind of art were you focusing in at the time? Um, I, I was really just kind of excited to be immersed in art to begin mm. to begin with. Uh, it wasn't a huge thing when I was in high school, and it was something I really loved to do. And I sort of doodled and drew on my own. Okay. Um, well, because my I guess my next question was going to be: Was there like a defining moment in your life where you felt like art was going to be something that you invested yourself in? Defining? No, I mean there are a lot of those sort of seminal moments yeah. in people's lives. I never really had one like that for mm. art. It was always just sort of a part sure. of what I did, mm. along with music, along with. Just sort of ex exploring and and uh, looking at the world, I guess. So, um, like in Albuquerque, you can I, I take a look at the desert, but then when I focus in on the desert and see the small things, yeah. you see how much life there is there, and that's kind of always how my brain kind huh. of worked. And so I, I think it's sort of led me to where I am now in art. So. How long have you been with uh, with Sculpture Space? Um, since the November twenty fourteen. Okay, so you've been there about almost getting on four or five years now, almost four right? years. Yeah, yeah, four years. Yeah. Uh, what were you up to before that? Uh, I was working on my own, doing um, forging um, 
architectural metalwork. Oh, really? And custom yeah. art and sculpture. Yeah. Nice, nice. What was the private? What's the private sector like doing that? Yeah, well, that's it's pretty rough. I mean, in a, in a bigger city, it's it's a little bit yeah. better. There's more people out there. They're looking yeah, more consumers in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in a smaller city, it's 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 a little tougher, but it's always fun. Hmm. So you come into sculpture space in 2014. Uh, were you immediately studio manager? Was that what you were doing there immediately? Yeah, that's kind of what I walked into. I mean, it, yeah. it really happened. Uh, I got a call about putting that piece up in Griffiths, and mm -hmm. there was a conversation about them maybe needing somebody um, part-time around the studio, and I didn't realize what the position was. And so I said, sure, you know, I've got yeah. some part-time. <laughs> yeah. And they offered the studio manager position. So, so I have to ask, because I'm a layman, uh, what's the day-to-day -day life of a studio manager like? Like, what's the uh, what's the bread and butter of what you do over there? Yeah, well, sculpture space. Um, uh, being a residency center, you have these artists that come through for a couple of months at a stint, and they're from all over the world, international. So, what your job as a, as studio manager or tech um, is to make sure everything equipment-wise is ready for them to use. Mm -hmm. um, we have a full wood shop and a full metal shop, so I keep This is your artist in residence you're talking about? Yeah. And that's uh, Andrew Helmond and Tom Hall at the moment, I want to say? Um, yeah, uh, Alex and Tom. Al Alex, I say Andrew, I'm sorry. Yeah, and um, so they're in right now. Uh, we're going to get more in over the course of the summer and nice. into the fall. Uh, we get about 20 a year. 20 a year, I was yeah. going to say. So you rotate them was it every two months? Every two months. Um, we do a, a review process. They, we get about 300 applicants a year, and, mm -hmm. and the review process happens in the winter because we shut down a little bit for the winter. Sure. Yeah. Well, it's, got, well it's, tough. it's tough if you're an outside. <laughs> well, it's true. And, and running a studio like, yeah. like full-blown, full there's administrative heavy things yeah. that you want to sort of take care of at some point. Sure, exactly. Um, but we, we invite in 20, we have 20 alternates, we schedule them for the following year, and they come in for two months, and they kind of hopscotch. So we get two in February, two in March, mm -hmm. and then they kind of hopscotch along every two, two months. Um, we're changing that up a bit in this coming year. Mm -hmm. We're doing sort of cohorts, so we're doing four for two months, have a month break, four for two months, have a month break. Okay. And those breaks are for different events we're scheduling. So... Um, so I gotta ask, you guys are a nonprofit organization, mm, right? so uh, a lot of your funding is coming from like donations, state grants, things like that. Or you, or what do you guys use generally to fund a lot of the stuff you guys are doing? Yeah, there's a there's the grant world, which is uh, tempestuous at best. Yes, so. <laughs> I know a little bit about that part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so you're kind of at the at the mercy of, of the whatever administration is holding mm -hmm. the purse strings. Then there's the the gathering funds, donations, and whatnot from the community, and we have. Um, fundraising event, our main one is uh, in the fall. This year it's in September, and mm. it's our charity event where okay. we auction off local artworks. Um, um, hundreds of people come in. They do... Yes, I read a little bit about this on the website, yeah. and uh, I wasn't sure if we were going to talk about it all today, but I'll put the links for all of the all the website stuff for our listeners oh, on thank here you. so they can get yeah. to it. Um, yeah, that um, that is our big fundraiser. That's, yeah. our, that's the one. So. That comes up September this year, you said? Yeah, it comes at the end of September this year. Wonderful. Um... Well, before we get to that, though, you guys have your seven days of art experiences that's coming up on June 5th. Excited. I'm very excited. Yeah, I do local is is um, uh, D-O-O, -O, right? I do yes. local. Yes. Uh, so I was going to ask you, uh, you guys are collaborating with uh, the I do local folks yeah. on this. What's that working relationship been like with you guys? Yeah, we've done a couple of uh, quick sort of welding classes, right? Nice. And we've enjoyed them, and we really like the idea of them getting into the local businesses with this uh, this application and small 
either it be uh, classes like we're going to be giving or experiences like you can go do a chef's table and at uh, the bite or something like yeah, yeah. or something I mean that that's um, some really interesting stuff and I think people who are interested in in supporting and um, talking about farmers markets and doing local things need to visit and take a look at that you know it's it's such an interesting thing we, we come upon this uh, with with made in Utica stuff a lot of the time mm -hmm. And it always makes me laugh because it feels like there's so many people who are trying to do all these wonderful things all over the community. And a lot of people are doing great things all the time. And it just makes me wonder sometimes, like, what could be done if there was a more unified force behind everything working together? Because there are so many great, like, it's just so hard to, like, get everything coordinated. Oh, I know what you mean. Together, I, right? I, when I got back into town, it, yeah. it, after being, like, a decade away, I got back. I'm like, where is that one flyer where it's at one publication I can go to and say what's happening and just open it up and there it is it's tough man you know and I when I I was in New York living in Brooklyn when Made in Utica first started and I only knew it because my friends on I was on Twitter right <laughs> basically I had a lot of friends who were on Twitter and I kept seeing this like Made in Utica thing right I was like what is this who are these people and of course me being a New York City cynic, I'm like, ah, what's this crap? Ah, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> uh, and then within like two years, I was like part of the team, right? So, uh, um, and that's, you know, just happenstance. But I was afraid that at a certain point when I came back here, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to find here, right? And I was shocked actually by how much there was for me to do, there, how many opportunities there would be if I wanted to do something in the community. Right. I didn't even really know that existed when I came back. So That's right. And, and but, but, it exists in a format that's very piecemeal, and you really yes. got to go searching for it. Uh, well, that's. I didn't want to get too far off the point about the event coming up, so right. <laughs> I want to right. wrap back around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, seven days of art experiences starting on June fifth and sixth. You guys have metal uh, art and welding classes with Mark Anthony. With Mark Anthony, that's right. Uh, June seventh, you guys have silk dyeing going on. Vicky. Uh, June eighth, wire metal making. Or wire model making, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll take over that one. Mm, you're taking that one. That's yeah. your course. <laughs> but that one and the foraging course are my courses. And that's on the June 11th. Mm -hmm. And then on June 12th, you guys have a paper making course. Like Vicky actually, again, yeah. Like physically making actual pieces of paper. Actual pieces wow. of paper, yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought about that. That's crazy. Well, some really interesting skill sets yeah. come along with yeah. that whole sculpture artist thing, right? Mm -hmm. So you're always investigating, how do I do this? I want this particular texture or that. And so you learn these very esoteric skills. We have those skills. Why not pass them out? It is a little bit of a Liam Neeson particular set of skills yeah, that yeah. Thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> and then June 14th, you have one, uh, the mystery event, which is uh, two or more adventurers, and you will be a special guest for a surprise experience where you're guaranteed to learn a fun and exciting skill. So various mystery. I like it. It's, I love the mystery. I love the <laughs> idea of the mystery thing. I like that the, if, you, if you sign up for two of these varied classes, you get a special one at the end. And also there's a contest going on, a selfie contest. Hmm. Uh, texting your picture next to nice. two scavenger hunt pieces of artwork Wonderful. Um, and you can get a free class. So if people want to, is this like, uh, are you buying a ticket? Are you RSAPing? Are you signing up for this? Like, yeah, uh, you're going to the idolocal.com. Idolocal.com? signing up for particular classes hmm. and um, they're, they're ranging between $45 and $65 depending mm -hmm. on the class. Very nice. Uh, there's a couple of them that have age restrictions just because uh, yeah, uh, sure. hot molten level metal. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so we'll need to. I still that. might not be old enough for those kind. Yeah, of things. maybe not. I'm, I'm sure not, but I'm I'm giving one, so go figure. <laughs> um, but uh, I like the scavenger hunt idea. I think it's great getting people out and moving around the, the city. And well, it's finally nice out for the two months we're gonna. It's gonna be. Nice. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Got to make the most of it. So again, folks, idolocal.com. Go on there. Uh, check out everything that's going on. I'll, again, I'll link everything through our uh, Twitter and Facebook and all that yeah, going forward. 
so I got a couple things I just need to ask you uh, in hindsight now. Sure. So I heard you mention, I was going to ask you a little bit about what your free time is like, if you're a game, games guy, sports guy, uh, but you did mention you're a musician a little bit. Do you play, play music at all? I play music. I played music here in the past, years ago, with mm. um, was with Uncle Fester many de- decades Uncle ago. Fester? Yeah. Huh. Back in the 80s and um, 90s. And a couple of those guys, we got back together after 20-something years and started playing again, so it's fun. What's your, uh, what's your weapon of choice? Um, bass at the moment. Bass. Yeah. Was percussion, now bass. Bass was the first thing that I picked up. Well, no, that's not true. I had an acoustic guitar, and I was bad at it. Yes. <laughs> but I wanted to play in a band with these two friends of mine, and we all played guitar, and they're like, well, we need someone to play bass. And I was like, well, I stink at this, so let me, I can play the bass, because I'm terrible at the guitar. And bass was sort of my first, like, cutting my teeth musical instrument, and I, uh, I still, to this day, I went back to playing it a couple years ago, and I, I still... Still probably my favorite of all the, the casual band instruments. I, I like playing drums. That was the most recent one I learned. Yep. But something about bass, it's that nice middle ground with the groove and the melody that you don't get with... Yeah, you get to yeah. play with both of them. Yeah, right? it's yeah, a little yeah. bit of, a little bit of best of both worlds. That's I always right. like that. What kind yeah. of... What's your... You got a bass, a bass of your own? Personal bass? Uh, I I have... I, I like Ibanez. I like Ibanez. Ibanez. basses. Nice, and really. I've got a, a nice sort of uh, SR-800 string which is really nice don't play it very much anymore because I've moved on to um, my buddy's fretless which Ooh, really fretless bass I'm a little <laughs> I have to admit I'm a little uh, I wouldn't say scared off I'm a little intimidated by the fretless bass well it's certainly intimidating yeah. it's like but but once you realize that oh I don't really have to see where I am because I can hear it right um, then you find yourself free to sort of slide into things and move things around and then pick up a melody just by ear which is very interesting I I like that. I uh, it's one of the things that um, you know. I always say when creative types uh, have nervous brains, and whatever your creative outlet is, whether it's speaking into the void in this podcast, or writing a novel, or uh, or playing music, or art, or sculpture, or whatever it is, that itch exists inside the creative person, and it has to come out one way or another. One if way I, or another. If, if I stopped doing this podcast tomorrow, I'd have to find something else creative to do, or else that that itch in my brain would never be scratched. Or you right? destroy the wheel on your car just pounding out rhythms. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I, I just think it's, I just, there's such a, there's such an interesting parallel between all the different forms of like creative art to me that I find draws similar groups of people who have that mindset. And it's just, it's, I find it very beautiful and very singular and very strange. <laughs> I, I love the creative process, which is oh, why man. residencies are so mm. important to oh, the yeah. world, I think. Mm. And not just for art, but for pretty much anything. The creative process is in everything anyone does, I think. There's a choice being made. And it's an aesthetic one as a consumer to buy this particular thing that yeah. was created in such a way. Yeah. But, but that creative process is something... I love to dive into and figure out. So each person has a different way to do it, right? You know, it's funny, too, because you don't learn about your own creative process until you start working with other people, right? So you see it happening in front of you, right? I did the novel thing for a while. I was, like, in my room, pounding away every night, trying to knock out, like, 1,000 words, 2,000 words, whatever it was, right? And that is a very frustrating creative process because you are alone with your thoughts. uh, And it was not the same as working with other people in music right that was I always would go back to playing music because when you're with other people your overarching tendencies can sometimes get pulled back in a little bit your best and worst tendencies to a certain extent like I have a bad habit of repeating the verse too many times I need someone else to be like hey we don't need 16 bars of this pull it back right Right. there is 
that sort of beauty and collaboration that is hard to find sometimes when working as a solo creative artist. But I also think when you're working with other people, it limits you from getting out into the places that you wouldn't go otherwise, right? There's a there's a middle, there's a middle ground, yeah, right? Yeah. And and that's kind of where residencies come into play for yeah. both aspects of that middle ground. Usually you're an artist in a particular community with other friends and artists around you and you have this mindset that exists even collectively it it kind of exists you're going to be along this path and so to break out of that you go to a residency you hook up with other people from some other community of art and you allow those creative energies to sort of interact that's that's a beautiful thing and it's like uh, it's like jamming on an open mic night yes you know you're able to touch base with all these other musicians that are just doing their thing and you're trying to have that conversation right and then there's also that secret deep down artist thing where when you are performing with other people you are secretly jealous and you're like I want to be better than this person right here I want to do all I want to do better than every single one of these people here but I don't want to I don't want it to look like I am right right uh, that's just that's just that's you to cast after hours conversation. Um, again George Hendrickson I want to thank you so much for coming on to sure. the show uh, before I let you go are you ready to do some lightning round lightning round Let's lightning round questions yeah. it doesn't mean you have to go fast these are just like snap questions no, I'm not think fast these days uh, so these are the same five or six questions that we ask everybody who's been on the show for the last hundred and however many episodes uh, we start with an easy one uh, George Hendrickson when you wake up in the morning how do you take your coffee black black Hot. coffee yeah okay so that's a very common answer I always have to follow it up with did you start off drinking just black coffee, or did you have to wean yourself onto black coffee over the years? Did you make a conscious decision where you're like, no more cream and sugar? I made a conscious decision. Continental, continental coffee or lattes from high school came yeah. overseas. Oh, conscious yeah. decision, get away from the milk. Yeah, I get it. As I get older, I don't. I've heard this thing. I don't know how true this is. That humans are not like genetically created to eat dairy. Like our bodies are not meant to eat as much dairy as we we put into it. And yeah, I, I don't know if I can say this on, uh, on a podcast. Bovine lactation, there's something about it that's... Yeah, it's... Yeah. It, no, it's true. Like, I've read somewhere that, like, we really, like, for whatever reason, like, humans eat all this cheese and milk and all this stuff, and we're really... It's not... It's, we really shouldn't eat as much of it as we do. Oh, I'm totally on board with the cheese yeah. bit, but the other... <laughs> it's like, I haven't... I don't really... I never liked milk. Like, even as a kid, my mom would be like, drink a glass of milk, you gotta go to... Oh, she hates... When I do that, she doesn't. My mom doesn't sound anything like that, folks. I'm sorry. It's just I can't help but do that voice. Um, but she, I drank milk as a kid, like as a punishment. I was like, Ugh, all right, that's like taking your medicine. I, I don't know if I've conscientiously went to drink a glass of milk in like ten years. I'm sorry. There's sorry. something. There's something about the the, the texture of it yes. too. I mean, because heavy cream is appealing, and you know, and of course butter and stuff. Very oh, yeah. interesting stuff. But the texture of milk, it's like watered down. Not really water. Not really. And yeah. I'm like weird with my nuance and stuff like that. Like I'm not skeeved out by like yogurt or cottage cheese, but I'm skeeved out by like mayonnaise. No, they're not there. There's not that much difference in terms of consistency and look. I don't know why one grosses. I don't know. I'm a weird. Uh, we'll, we'll move on from that. Uh, George, what was your first automobile? That I owned. You owned, yes. First automobile. Triumph TR7. A Triumph TR7. What year was that? Or am I afraid uh, to 76. Ask? It was 76. a half year. So like the, the wiring schematics from the previous year mm-hmm. and the year following merged together and created this mess of Lucas unknown electronics. It was horrible. What would you pay for that thing? Uh, one grand. One grand. One grand. One steal. Wow. <laughs> Uh, There's a lot of hard-earned money right there, I'll tell you. You still got that one floating around or that one? No, no, that one by the wayside, yeah. Uh, You may or may not have taken your uh, Triumph TR7 to see it. What was your first live music event? Oh, my gosh. Any live music event? Any live music event. 
that I can remember was uh, high school doing a uh, USO tour. Mm. Um, so seeing a USO show. Really? Yeah. You remember anyone who was on the show? Um, um, I was doing lights with my dad doing sound and my sister was yeah, yeah. singing. Oh, really? And then there was other oh, okay. All high right. school kids yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and military personnel. Oh, nice. So it was basically our oh, okay. yeah, yeah. USO show. Nice. Okay. All right. That makes more sense. All right. Very good. All right. So good. All right. Uh, give me one book, album, movie, or television show you are currently reading, oh. listening to, or watching. Oh, interesting. Reading, listening to, or watching. Yeah. Well, I could give people a broad scale. Some people don't read books. Some people don't watch TV. Some That's don't good. Read movies. So I don't have to do them all. That's you don't have to too. do them all. That's yeah, very yeah. good. Um, oh well, um, we're revisiting. How's that? Mm. Um, we we're revisiting Miss Marple. Oh really? Yeah. Nice. Nice. Uh, into mysteries. Mm, very um, good. Have done like the Murdoch mysteries. Very interesting stuff. Mm, nice stuff like that. I uh, I've been putting it over to everybody. I don't know if you're a history guy at all. I started watching this Bobby Kennedy documentary that's on Netflix right now. Oh yeah. You know, I'm not a super political it's really guy. It's, I just, all the footage. That's the part that gets me. That's like, yo, why do you have all this footage? Where has it been? Why have I never seen this before? It's amazing. Um, yeah, those are the, all the papers and stuff being released. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. there's like a, there's a three minute sequence in that where it's actual audio tape of Bobby Kennedy and George Wallace arguing in Georgia or in Alabama about like race relations. And oh, it's wow. captivating. It's like, Wow. What a, what a world we lived in. This is an insane time to be alive and an insane time then they came from. Like, what a weird world we live in. I don't know. Very true. Uh, if you could have dinner with any person, living or dead, who is not your relative, who would it be <laughs> and why? Living or dead. Mm. Wow, that's tough. Mm. No, these are the kinds of questions that friends mull over for decades. <laughs> no, yeah, I like to did, throw yeah. them right at you. <laughs> well, you know what's funny? I think it's, it, it's telling because some people have an answer like two seconds in. Right. Some people are like, I have no answer ever. You can give me seven years and I'll never, <laughs> That's right. I'll never figure I'll that out. I'll never pick it out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I won't pressure you to pick somebody if you don't have one off the top of your head. That's all right. I've got too many. That's the problem. <laughs> you know, there's just far too many. Um, like, I'd love to hang out with, with uh, well, I'd love to hang out with Picasso during his time in sure. Spain. That'd be just sure. amazing. Because yeah. they, they were partiers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, they were going at it, so... That would have been a fun time. Mm. Um, so there are lots of moments like that in history. Yeah, I always I have about five on deck I always keep. I usually say Rod Serling because I'm a huge Twilight Zone guy and I'm very curious what it would have taken to make a show like that when it came out. Yeah. Uh, but then I'm also, like, it also gets really random. Like, I'd love to sit down for 20 minutes and talk to Vince McMahon and be like, what's your life like, man? What are you What are you all about? Tell me about, tell me about Hulk Hogan. What's yeah. the deal? Um, and last but not least, um, and again, George, thank you for coming in today. I appreciate it. Uh, give me one more thing besides uh, besides art, uh, besides unity, uh, besides sculpture that you are passionate about. You didn't say music. Good, I'm passionate. I didn't about say music. Yet. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, I'm 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 passionate about uh, learning new things always. Mm. If there's something I've not learned, you know, I'm the quintessential rabbit hole diver on YouTube, yeah. just finding interesting <laughs> new things. I follow those interesting pathways. Um, all the time. I think about it sometimes uh, as the great curse, and I don't think, I certainly didn't come up with this idea, but uh, as as we get older, our thirst to learn gets much greater, right? I, and our capacity diminishes. Yeah, yeah. and our capacity, our capacity <laughs> diminishes, our, our urge to learn grows, and it and it suddenly makes sense to that's that's one of the things working in like the education, I work in the education field for the most part, I deal with like uh, middle school type kids. 
and I get so frustrated with them when I'm like, why do you not take your education seriously? Do you not understand like this? They don't understand. They don't. They don't. And it's really, and it, that's the part that I get to is like, I'm 32, I'm almost going to be 33. It's like, I now understand it. But if I'm really being honest with myself, I didn't understand it then. I go back, I was a delinquent for most of my, you know what I mean? Like I, I couldn't help myself but be a delinquent. It was one, right. yeah. It was not only wired into you, but those hormones are surging. Oh, you've got all these things going on. Life is new and fresh. Yeah, it's a it's crazy too because we know so much stuff about this now, and yet nothing ever changes. For I'm not advocating that we should change the time when school starts, right? But we have research that shows that kids in like their middle school and high school years are not biologically engineered to wake up at seven thirty in the morning and be productive. They're wired internally to be awake later and sleeping later like it's well and then to do spurts right so yeah. these like pop-up spurts of, of yeah. interest and 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 acceptability for new knowledge you know the only thing that i really get like old man screaming at the clouds about sometimes is i do notice an inability for this sort of generation of learners to interact socially uh and not it's not that they're and i'm not trying to sit here and like bash on social media because I, I don't think you can fight against the tide of technology. It's coming. Right. It's coming. We need to, we need to learn. Yeah, we need to deal with it or learn how to harness it in a more accurate way, but we, it's not going away. No. Um, but what concerns me is while all these kids are very smart, kids are smart these days. We teach them a lot more than they taught us when I was in high school. They really are terrified of any social interaction outside of their immediate comfort zone. I always wonder, I'm like, you're brilliant, but where are you going to get a job when you sit in front of people and they say, what's your best attribute? And you go, mm-hmm. And like with your, you know, and just sit there staring off into the middle distance. Like, I don't, that's the part that's missing. That's like, that's the conundrum though, right? I mean, they, they, they don't get out of their comfort zone because it's uncomfortable and they don't need to. They don't need to. And we had to be in that uncomfortable space. We had to work through that uncomf- uncomfortable space. Well, we, we've overcompensated, I think, too. Yeah. And I've, I've gone off on a whole track here, but... I think we, I look at all of like my, my students and the students I see around me in the other school districts. What are the kids good at now? They're good at math and science, which for the last 15, 20 years, they've been saying, none of our kids are good at math and science. They're all, we need to start pushing math and science, math and science, math and science. I'm not denying that it's not important. It's super important. This yep. is how we prove facts, which apparently we've forgot how to do now <laughs> in this country. Yeah, we were just giving up on things we already once Definition believed. Definition of facts. I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea. I didn't know. Um, but, you know, I, I'm very happy to see that, but... Do you know where the kids fall back? Art, English, social studies, like even like gym, health. Those they don't care about those. Aren't things. those the first things to go at, at, at any given juncture? Right? Yeah, it's, at every moment in history where there's stress on the scholastic system yeah. or stress on the society itself, the first things to go are what everyone considers the easy things to yeah. go. Yeah. And it's horrifying. Like I look at like my I have kids who are brilliant math students who fail in English because they're like, I hate reading. I don't want to read this book. Right. I'd, rather, I'd rather go on YouTube and watch and listen to somebody read the book to me than physically read the book myself, which is a, such a new world problem that I don't even know how to react wow. to it. Wow. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I heard it and I can't react. I'm like, I'm tapping out. This is, this is, I'm tapping. Uh, George, again, I want to thank you for spending some time here with us today. Uh, again, folks, June 5th through the 14th, 12 Gate Street, Sculpture Space, uh, seven days of art experiences. It's going to be a great time. Go to idolocal.com for all the information on that. Uh, George, uh, thanks. It's a real pleasure talking Come to you. Come out and learn something with us. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, it all is. right, brother. Have thanks. a great day. And, folks, we'll be back to the show in just a moment.
catching a bunch of emails during the history lessons. It's not very nice, Heather. Not very nice. Uh, you know who was very nice? George Hendrickson, studio manager, Sculpture Space. Thank you very much, George. Again, uh, seven days, 12 days, seven days of art experiences. I will put all the links on the website for all you folks. Check out Sculpture Space. Space, really cool uh, organization doing a lot of really cool Hidden stuff. Gem. They've been there for a long time. A long time. They've been there for a very long time. Yeah, and they, they pump out lots and lots of really excellent sculpture and art, and they get a lot of uh, resources to a lot of artists every year. They do a lot of good work. Nice folks. All right, history lessons. Woohoo! Said nobody but me. Only you. <laughs> Just me. Uh, all right, let's do it. Uh, this week, in 1908, going all the way back, the first horror movie, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, premiered in Chicago. Uh, possibly the first ever horror movie, a silent film directed by Otis Turner and produced by William Siegel. It's based on a 1897 four-act stage play, which was condensed into a one-reel movie. This is the first screen adaption of the Robert Louis Stevenson uh, 1886 novel. Uh, critics were enthusiastic, giving really high praise to the actors. Uh, however, one caveat about this, there is no known existing copy of this film. It is what is considered a lost film. Uh, you guys ever heard of this before? No. All right, lost films are films that go missing for any number of reasons. Uh, the most, co what would you guys guess is the most common factor for a movie uh, being lost? Deterioration of film stock. Deterioration of film stock. Correct. Correct. Uh, early films. What are you mad? <laughs> She's mad. She's like, mad. <laughs> Think about it. You just knew it right there what? and then. I just wanted a second to maybe it, have a guess. Like a thing that I well, what's another? There's a couple no, other. It reasons. was the first thing that made no, sense. Okay, don't worry about what it. What else makes what's sense? Another reason? What's well, another reason? Was abducted? No, maybe a fire. Yes. Yes. Yeah, maybe a, I didn't get a chance. So what's fire? What number is fire? What number is fire? Sam. So it's not in order. Tell Here's what number fire is. One major contributing factor is the common use of nitrate film, which until the 1950s uh, was commonly used. This type of film is highly flammable and has been. Uh, and there have been several devastating fires, such as the Universal Pictures Fire in 1924, Fox uh, Fire Vault in 1937, and MGM uh, Vault Fire in 1963. Also, black and white prints were judged to be worthless and sometimes incinerated to salvage meager scrap value for the silver particles that were in the film. Uh, company, uh, production companies would go bankrupt. Uh, studios would remake films and destroy the earlier versions. Uh, silent films were, as again they said, very particularly seen at one point in time as having no further commercial commercial value and were simply just junked That's at a certain. Bad, People didn't know better at that time. You didn't think about it in that way. It wasn't. We didn't get into like film preservation until like the seventies. I feel like in the sixties and seventies. We're already doing it now. Yeah, we've done it. With the internet. Mm. It's true. Uh, Martin Scorsese, uh, his film foundation claims that half of all American movies made before 1950 and over 90% of all films made before 1930 are lost forever. While the Library of Congress states that 75% of all silent, silent films are now lost. I found four pretty funny lost films I just wanted to share them with you guys. One is from 1930. It's a short film by Alfred Hitchcock that he made for an award ceremony called An Elastic Affair. That one's lost. The second... Sherlock Holmes film from 1932 is also lost. It's called The Missing Rembrandt. This is where they get good. 1967, Batman fights Dracula. This oh, Filipino... Man, so <laughs> it is a Filipino parody film made without the permission of DC Comics, which owned the copyright for Batman. It has since been lost. And, here's, and this is the most recent one. Are you ready for this? 1976, the film is called Him. 
It is a film about the life of Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, a pornographic film about the life of Jesus Christ, which was previously believed to be a hoax from 1976. Uh, so yeah, lost films. Uh, my initial question was, was the first horror movie you ever saw, but we kind of got off track. <laughs> uh, so what was the first horror film you ever saw? Um, the Exorcist. Did you? I was, my, my babysitter let me watch it. It was Were you terrifying. old enough? No, I was. I was like seven. Seven. Shouldn't have been watching that. <laughs> Kev, what about you? You're a big horror movie guy. Uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly what the first one was. It feels like it was some sort of like... Maybe like a Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th mm. kind of thing with like my like older cousins or something maybe. Sure. But I don't have one singular memory of like this is the first time I, I saw a scary movie. Yeah. I think the the first like scary movies I saw were not technically horror movies. It was like Terminator 2 and Aliens, which were scary, but just because I was a little kid and aliens are scary. Or Night and yeah. Really, yeah. But I would say Nightmare on Elm Street was the first one that left like a real impression on me. I did not care for Freddy Krueger at all. Terrified. Mm. All right, that's it. Let's move on. On this day in 1914, uh, Carl Eric Wickman, a man from Sweden, uh, began the Greyhound Bus Company in, Hub in Hibbing, Minnesota. He was working in a mine until he was laid off in 1914. He used a seven-passenger car to transport iron ore miners from Hibbing, Minnesota to Alice, which was known for its saloons, at 15 cents a ride. By the end of the World War, uh, 1918, he owned 18 buses and was making annual profit of $40,000. Heather, when's the last time you took a bus on an extended trip anywhere? Um, probably high school. <laughs> high school? You haven't I taken... I I've never got... I haven't got You've never bus. taken a Greyhound bus anywhere? No, I've never, no. Even like one of those crummy mega buses that sort of stole all the thunder over the last 10 years? No. No. How about you, Kev? You a Greyhound bus guy? No, like school? School? Yeah. yeah. Really? Why would I get Where the hell bus? am I going on a bus? <laughs> I mean, like, I was a guy who took a lot of trains growing up, I like, between... trains, but not buses. And I feel like the trains and buses, like, if I didn't think I was going to get a train, I'm checking that bus schedule to see if I can get the same bus. Like, there's some benefits to taking a bus over a train, sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's usually cheaper. I'm not taking a train either anywhere, though, really. I mean, trains, yes. Yeah, so they're definitely taking trains to the city, but not a bus. You're on your own on this one. <laughs> I guess. I feel like I just took a lot of buses between New York and back. I guess living in New York That's that That's the trick. Yeah. Living in New York, you're not in, having like, a car and coming home... <laughs> Yeah, because my first, what the hell am I taking a bus if you got a car? Get the car. so many buses, man. Get in the car. I, You know what's weird, <laughs> too, about a bus? I've taken mega buses. I've taken Greyhound buses. It's... I don't know the difference. Oh. Bus uh, one, bus two. Go ahead. <laughs> it's an alternately, it's a weird experience. Because there are sometimes I'll get on a bus and I'm like, I am never taking a bus again. Like, it's just the worst experience. And then sometimes it's like, this is surprisingly easy. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Depends on the traffic. Depends on so many other things. Uh... But yeah, man, Greyhound bus used to be like a thing, and I, I don't even know if anyone even takes Greyhound buses anymore because Megabus stepped on their block and was like, we charge a dollar per seat. And Greyhound's like, yeah, we're not going to do that. Seems like a pretty good deal. It is until they sell out of the dollar seats, and then the prices go up. That's how they get you, right? Prices go up to where, though? Like $2? I don't know if I've ever paid more than 25 bucks for a Megabus ticket. Well, you pay for a Greyhound. Oh, depends where you're going. That's is, where they... is the quality better on Greyhound than... Megabus? Sounds like Megabus yes. is awful. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what, though? Megabus is basically the jet blue of buses. They know that taking buses is crappy. So they try and, like, make it as easy as possible. Like, we're going to give you as many outlets as we can. Live Do you know what I mean? It's... <laughs> no. Okay, it's the bare minimum, right? But they, they try and give you as much general, like, free space as possible. Greyhound, it just feels like, I don't know... Feels like I'm in like a 1960s movie. Like I'm in The Graduate or something. I don't know. I don't like taking Greyhound buses. Yeah. All right, moving on. On this day, 1932, 
the first transatlantic solo flight by a woman lands in Ireland. That, of course, was... You name that person? Amelia Earhart. Yes. Points for Heather. Points for Heather. Uh, 34-year-old Amelia Earhart sent out from Newfoundland, and after a flight lasting 14 hours and 56 minutes, during which she contended uh, with strong northerly winds, icy conditions, and mechanical problems, she landed in a pasture in Collymore, north of Derry, in Northern Ireland. Uh, landing was witnessed by two gentlemen. When the farmhand asked, where have you flown far? She replied, from America. I like how casual this was in 1934. Where are you coming from? Uh, New York, wherever. <laughs> Newfoundland, right, whatever. Um, as the first woman to fly solo nonstop across the Atlantic, she received the Distinguished Flying Cross from Congress, the Cross of the Knight of the Legion of Honor from the French government, and the Gold Medal from the National Geographic Society by President Herbert Hoover. Uh, she became quite the celebrity of her time. She was friends with Eleanor Roosevelt, most notably. Uh, during an attempt to make a circumnavigational flight around the globe in 1937, however, she and navigator Fred Noonan disappeared over the Central Pacific Ocean near Howland Island. Most historians hold to the simple crash and sink theory, but a number of other possibilities have been proposed, including several conspiracy theories. Did you guys ever hear about the Amelia Hart conspiracy theories? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I've heard, I heard a couple of good ones. I didn't know about a lot of these. Did you guys hear that she was a spy for FDR? Yes. That was, that's a pretty good one, actually. I like that one. I don't think it's true. I just like the idea of it. And then that they assumed another identity, that they landed somewhere else and assumed another identity. But I feel like if you're a celebrity, why would you want to change up your identity like that? Unless you failed at it or something. Maybe there was something secretive going on there. I mean, even now, I don't think I'd want to fly solo across the, uh, the Atlantic Ocean, even with no. a pilot. <laughs> I, like I don't I wouldn't fly at all. <laughs> What do you do? Take the mega bus? <laughs> take the mega bus. Take the mega bus. The mega ferry across the ocean. Uh, Heather, you no. always get you always give me a dirty look when I talk about sports. So I'm gonna talk about sports really quickly. I give you a dirty look. You do sometimes. I you get go the, like, Ugh. I'm not gonna be able to answer this. So I'm gonna frame this. This I'm gonna do you know I'm gonna give you a name and you just tell me if you know this person. That's how okay. we're gonna start. Okay. Are you familiar with Ken Griffey Jr.? Yes. Okay, so you know that one. Yeah, I know that name. That's from our era, so that's all right. That's good. Got it. Kev, you're very familiar with Ken Griffey Jr. because he was, as you said, one of your favorite players of all time. Did you when I was young? When I was young? Yeah, yeah. Uh, this day in 1996, Ken Griffey Jr. became the eighth youngest player to hit 200 home runs. That's a weird stat for me to get in here, but I, I was just interested in Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, he was one of the first like prominent athletes that I can remember who wasn't like like a Yankee or a Nick, right? He was the first, one of the first like transcendent sports athletes that I liked, not because I liked the Mariners because he was cool, right? Like that was one of the things about, it. I remember him having the backwards hat and doing like the Nike stuff and like doing the home run derby with the backwards hat. And I was like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like he was one of the first athletes. I was like, yes, I really like loved Ken Griffey Jr. And I just thought it was interesting that he was a guy who was so highly touted and still is like one of the top like power hitters of all time. And I feel like his career probably didn't go to the heights it could have, in hindsight. It's just my thought. Yeah, that's what they, that's what they say about him, because he never, he never did anything. He never worked out, he never took care of himself. Yes, that's... that's he just coasted on natural talent his whole life, then it caught up with him. Yes, uh, he was unable to shake reports of his petulant uh, demeanor throughout his Major League uh, career. However, his popularity reflected well upon Major League Baseball, and he is credited by some as helping restore the image after the 1994 labor dispute. Uh... He is sixth all-time with career home runs with 630. One of the best swings I've ever seen. Okay. 
So, uh, Heather, I know you feel sometimes left out when I do these sports I things. I do not feel left out. It's okay, because now you and Kevin can look at each other begrudgingly while I go on to a tirade about soccer. I need to talk about oh, soccer for a minute. Yeah. I know, I know. If you want to get coffee or refill your coffee, this is a good chance to do it. Bye, Kevin. All right. <clears throat> And look, there's a reason I'm doing this today, and we're going to get to it in a minute. This is really important for me, okay? Because what you guys need to understand is that the end of this weekend is the end of soccer for me. This weekend is the Champions League final. We'll get into that in a second. There, it's never, it, there is no... The World Cup is cupping them this year, but there's no U.S. team because this year's U.S. team was a disgrace to the red, white, and blue. There I said it. So there's no soccer this summer. So for me... This is it. This is the end of soccer. Let's get into the history report. <clears throat> On this day in 2005, it was the 13th UEFA Champions League final as Liverpool defeats Milan 3-3 on penalty kicks. Uh, Milan was regarded as favorites before the match and took the lead within the first minute through captain Paolo Maldini. Milan strikers Hernan Crespo added two more goals before halftime to make it 3-0 at the break. In the second half, however, Liverpool launched a comeback and scored three goals in dramatic six-minute spell to level the score at 3-3 with goals from Steven Gerrard, El Capitan, Vladimir Schmeischer, and the ageless one, Xabi Alonso. This score remained the same until extra time, and a penalty shootout was required to decide the champions. I'm going to get my football voice on. Yeah. The score was 3-2 at Liverpool when Anderle Shevchenko's penalty was saved by Liverpool goalkeeper Jersey Dudek. Thus, Liverpool won their fifth European Cup and was awarded the trophy permanently, claiming a multiple winner's badge. Liverpool's comeback gave rise to the final being known as the Miracle at Istanbul and is regarded as one of the greatest finals in the history of the tournament. All right, so there you go. There's some background. May 26th, 2 p.m., this Saturday, Liverpool versus Real Madrid in the 26th Champions League final, live from the beautiful city of Kiev in the wonderful country of the Ukraine. I'm dead on Saturday, 2 p.m. Don't call me, don't at me, don't talk to me. You will never walk alone. Come on, you Reds. Cop for Klopp. I am very excited, so excited, in fact, that I'm going to share with you a special Liverpool soccer chant. Are you ready? No. Bro, what are you talking about? I don't, even, I don't understand anything that was just... <laughs> oh, yay. No, no. Okay, yeah. Jürgen Klopp, Klopp, Klopp. He's the new king of the cop. Jürgen Klopp, Klopp, Klopp. He will take us to the top. Champions huh. League, FA Cup. We will win the fucking lot with Jürgen Klopp, Klopp, Klopp. He's the new king of the cop. That's right. I said it. That's the song they sing for manager Jürgen Klopp. I'm very excited about this, as you can tell. Can you tell? Listen to me. I grew up watching a lot of sports, and I'm jaded None of them were soccer. I'm jaded because of it. A lot of the sports that I watched growing up, I don't have the same passion for anymore. When the Yankees lose, uh, okay, it's fine. When the Knicks lose, I'm used to it. When the Bills lose, I'm used to it. I've had a lifetime of this. This is the one sport that gives me real emotion that still makes me feel like a little kid. I get stressed out and angry when I watch it, and I'm enjoying it. It feels good. I'm excited that my team is on the verge of glory. I don't get these moments much as an adult. You understand what I'm saying? You guys get it? Why I'm excited? No? So wait, what's yeah. this? Is soccer? Oh, my God. Can we talk about soccer stuff? What about? They got, which team is Landon Donovan on? That's Landon the team Donovan. I want to win. 
I like him. I know what you're doing. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> I like him. Uh, I'm just going to say this. I saw in the papers today in Spain that all of Madrid, the entire city of Madrid in Spain, believes that Liverpool is a soft, weak-minded team ripe for the, ripe for the picking. And I was, you're showing them how weak your mind is right now. <laughs> Mo Salah, my Egyptian god emperor of Anfield, is going to destroy Real Madrid with three goals. Hockey on grass. The game lasts for a month and a half. It's one to nothing. <laughs> 2 p.m. if you guys want to watch. Get at me on Twitter. So, all right, there we go. I just needed to say it. That's it. No more soccer forever. I'll be done with soccer. Okay? Yes. Until they win, then you're going to do a whole episode. <laughs> I've already lost everybody on the show from now. Like, we've lost pretty much everybody else well, on the show. Does that mean we're going to fall to number two on Tuesdays? No, number like two. On, <laughs> number two on Tuesdays here on Stitcher. Uh, I've already... Not on Stitcher. We're always number one on Stitcher. That's true. We'll always yeah. be number one. Why are we always number one on Stitcher? They love us on Stitcher. Hottest podcast on Stitcher worldwide. Hottest podcast. Uh, guys, last week I teased a story that I'd wanted to talk about, and it was uh, an article about col- uh, climate denial and how it's become a form of American exceptionalism. And I thought this was really, really wild. Um, no other country has climate change so closely tied to political persuasion. Uh, this was actually uh, this was actually tested in an article uh, by Nature Climate uh, by scientists who surveyed people in 25 countries around the world, and that and found that in the United States we more than any other country base our climate beliefs on political standing more than any other country. Is that surprising to you guys? Yes or no? No, no, no. <laughs> not at all, right? Uh, what other countries do you think were high on the list? Just to be able to take a guess, I know it was. Uh, they're pretty. They're not super obvious. I wouldn't be surprised if you guessed them. There's like three other countries where this is relatively common. Uh, I don't know. Canada, Australia, and Brazil. Um, so, question, guys. Uh, do you think? Do you think we're at a point in time now where any sort of scientific result could come out and it would be questioned? Even if we like at this point in time, are people just questioning things just to troll people, or do people actually not believe what they say? Well, what do you mean? Do you think that there's re- like when people I, I just wonder sometimes if the people who deny like climate change or environmental stuff are really just is it all trolling? No. Or do people just really just stop believing in They're science? idiots. People are idiots. You won't meet look at these are people who don't you know who doesn't believe in climate change or global warming or whatever you want to call it, you know who doesn't believe in it in this country? People who don't live near the ocean. <laughs> well, that's, that's that's very it, fair because they get lied to dude you listen to it i mean you listen to the oh. sources and news these people consume and all they're told mm. is this is a giant hoax these people can't really figure out why it's a hoax or why anybody would hoax it around but they've got this silliest like twist their brain into a pretzel mental gymnastics uh to deny it and talk about it and say it's a hoax but i mean that's just uh that's tantamount to everything in the country everything is that way right now uh, well, what makes the U.S., they say, stand out from a lot of these other countries is that the U.S. actually has a concerted effort by the fossil fuel industry to influence the way public feels about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a quote from a political scientist in the University of California, Leah Stokes. Uh, the successful anti-science campaign uh, has targeted Republican elites across all levels of the government, eroding belief in climate change among conservatives in the public and in the office. Fossil fuel companies have used this campaign to secure their resources and prevent a transition, successfully stalling climate action in the United States. I think that's pretty spot on. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, In a related story, uh, congratulations, guys. America is now celebrating its 400 straight month with warmer than average temperatures. The last time we had a month in this country with colder than average temperatures was December 1984, when Ronald Reagan was still in office. 
Uh, like a Virgin was the number one song in America, and uh, Dynasty was on TV. You must have known that when you're, that was, was from your 47th birthday. <laughs> you're, you're 12, <laughs> I understand. Yeah, it's good. Uh, uh, we, this is just a quick update. We talked a couple months back about how... Uh, this is totally different off, different subject, by the way. Uh, there was talk about uh, Barack Obama signing uh, a deal with Netflix to produce content. Oh, yeah. uh, that is now official. Oh. The, yes. Uh, Barack Obama and his wife, uh, Michelle, have signed a deal. They will produce multiple films and television shows for Netflix, a diverse mix of content, including the potential for scripted series, unscripted series, docu-series, documentaries, and features. I think, really, for Netflix, the key is just signing a deal with the Obamas, right? Like, that's good yeah. publicity just in itself, even if they don't put anything out, I feel like, right? It's a good coup for them to get the former president. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I'm very curious about what they're going to produce. I want to see it. I still, I just want them to do, I don't want them to do anything political. I really want them to do, like, a scripted show. Like, I want them to do, like, a sitcom around it. Like, I just want them to do, like, a really corny, like... I think it would be funny if they made a sitcom, um... So what's that? What's that horrible thing that the the Scientology raper is on with Ashton Kutcher? That seventy. Oh, the ranch. The yeah. ranch. <laughs> yeah. I want them to make a sitcom like about like if they did a sitcom about like Fox News and like yes. working at Fox News was making yes. them look like goons the whole time. <laughs> yeah. or, like I, I want them to do something that's <laughs> yeah. really good because people are already super upset and, and triggered and all this and you know all the all the red caps and maniacs and stuff. So I would like to really sort of stick the troll finger yeah. in the ribs a little bit. Yes. That's fair. That's what I hope to see. That'd be nice. All right. Uh, so last but not least, uh, we'll close out with this today. Um, just want to do a quick shout out to our GFOPs, uh, Pat and Jackie in Florida. They are uh, they're having their second child. They they're pregnant. are. They're pregnant for their second excellent, child. Excellent, excellent news. Wonderful news. Some of our favorite people. It was uh, under sadder circumstance that Pat had to come home this weekend, but it was nice to see him. Indeed. Very nice to see him. Uh, so I figured, I saw a couple different articles about baby names this week, and I figured it was important that we share some of them. Drive down the parkway, find a statue, name it after that. <laughs> That's a good call. Cast name. <laughs> <I know. laughs> That's what I was doing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I want to refer to you guys to an article from GQ by one of my favorite authors, uh, writers, uh, Drew McGarry. This is just the title, Why Are My Fellow Whites Still So Awful at Naming Children? And it has to do with a lot of the more popular names uh, that uh, we are naming our kids in 2018. I figured I'd run through a couple. Because everybody's obsessed with themselves and they make it all about them and they feel like they have to be unique and stand out and pick something weird because God forbid the kid's name is just James. That's not you at all. I'm talking about people because I saw you start to make a face. I'm talking about people naming their kid like French toast and like no, misspelling cities and naming them that and this kind of. I'm sure some of the oh, joke you're going to bring up. We're going to get to some of these. These are some of the most popular ones. This is uh, up 423 spots from last year. Cairo. K-A-I-R-O for a boy. That's a boy's name. You guys give me an up or down if you like them. I don't know if you feel about that one. Down. Down, you don't like that one? What about Case? K-A-C-E. No. My son, Case Famalaro. Oh. Would you take me seriously? These are all people who listen to country music. What about Cashton? K-A-S-H-T. Well, a lot no. of K's in here. No. No offense, Kevin. I'm just saying. A lot of K names in here, it seems like, to start off the bat. I think they got a bias against you. They're just, trying to dig it through with Kevin. They're trying to, yeah. Oh, I can think of another reason the folks in the South are really excited about getting a bunch of K's <laughs> in a row. Oh, oh. How about, 
Fair point. How about Jackson with two X's? J A X X. I say go all the way and put the third X in there. <laughs> the three X's. Yeah. J A X X X Y N N E. That's up two hundred and fourteen spots. That's crazy. Uh, here's a couple of ones that were popular Joe as well. America. Uh, Ledger. L E D G E R. I assume that's named after Heath Ledger, but I just assumed that someone really liked their their like their finance notebook. Like I named it after their their business ledger. Uh, how about Ridge? R-I-D-G-E. His name of the kids oh. after stuff. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Did we talk about this on the show last week? Or did no, we, we, we talked about this Did we have a conversation no, about this with, either. like, friends at the house? We did. Weekend? Okay. Because <laughs> we were talking about baby names with packs. I'm like, I feel like I've made these jokes and heard these names already. And how about Aiden with two... Uh, okay, A-A-D-E-N. I like Aiden. Aiden. I just don't like the idea of spelling it like that. A-I-Y-D-E-I-N-N-E. Okay. spelling me. I, uh, <laughs> how many letters can you add in before it doesn't make sense anymore? Spell shout, Aiden. Shout out to my GFOP, Erin uh, Arthur from New York. I once made a joke with her that she still got mad at me about. I was like, hey, you know how like there's Eric for a boy and Aaron, but they're spelled different. Like Eric is E-R-I-C and Aaron is A-R-O-N. I was like, how come you never see girls' names that are like Aaron with two A's and not Aaron with an E? And she got really mad at me. She's like, those are different names. And I was like, I'm trolling you. But that's what, this is exactly what that is. It's like... I don't think I would get that one either. Oh, I didn't get it until like... Yeah. It, so if she spelled her name A-A-R-I-N as opposed to E-R-I-N. Her Why name is she Aaron. Just oh, to change, uh, that was the joke. Just, just to be like a jerk. I was just Aaron or Aaron. I get it. You get what I'm saying? That's what this will. All right. All right. Uh, and not to let the girls' names get off the hook. This is up. Okay. I don't understand is this. One thousand four hundred and sixty-four spots. Ensley. E n s l e y. Ensley. Is that a? Is it's got to be a reference? I, I genuinely How does it, assume. How long it take before they can say their own name? <laughs> and I, I genuinely assume I, I if this happens, like the, the only way a name like that could shoot up is where is that name otherwise in the culture? Right, right. That's a like, great people point. Didn't just all of a sudden find the same obscure baby name book or like someone that comes from somewhere. A fourteen thousand jump in a year or whatever. Where did that name come <laughs> from in the culture? Or... Yeah, I'm very curious. I've never even heard. I, I, there's some names here that make sense. Like this one is Oakland, but like Oak, and then the name Lynn L Y N N. Like, at least I, okay, I, I sort of get where that comes from. Melania's up 720 spots, so there you go. How about Paisley, but, like, spelled not correctly? Of course not. <laughs> Doesn't matter either way. Uh, Bonnie's up 198 spots. That's a regular name. That's, oh, like, a real. That's weird. <laughs> Just came out of nowhere. I don't mess with it, no. And how about this one? This, is, this might be one of my favorites. J-U-R-N-E-E. Journey. <laughs> J U R journey, journey. That's uh, pretty bad. Uh, so yeah, don't name any of your kids after any of these names, Pat. I hope you've listened to this before you've chosen on the name Journey for your son. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, then I thought about this. I think I think I know what he's gonna name. It. I've got a conspiracy theory. Is it Journey? No, we'll talk off the air. Okay. Uh, and I just thought about this as we were reading through. Uh, where do you do you guys think that the name Donald has gone up? Or down. Down. Since he's been president. Down. Oh. You're both wrong. It stayed exactly the same. It's exactly the same as where it was. It's like, I didn't come up with it. You know what I'm say? Fun fact about my family and people that a lot of people just don't know. Uh, if my sister had been born a boy, her name was going to be Donald. Oof. Yeah, not because my parents liked the name Donald, mm. mind you, but because my grandfather's name on my dad's side was Donald. Mm. My brother was born, his middle name was John. 
My grandfather was like, oh, you named him after your dad. That's kind of cool. My mom was like, geez, I never thought about it. Now I feel bad. If this one's a boy, I got to name it Donald. Yeah. Turned out to be my sister. And then my mom wanted to name her Fiona. Then my dad was like, we're going to call her Elizabeth, and that'll be the end of it. My <laughs> mother wanted to name me Star. My father took oh, her really quick on that one. Uh, I would die laughing if your name was Star with two R's from out there in like Bridgewater, where the hell you come from. <laughs> You're in like Fox Racing stuff. To the <laughs> I was definitely Kevin for two days, and I've talked about this before in the show, but my mom decided she did not want to have Karen Kelly and Kevin. It just seemed like a mistake. See? Seemed like a mistake. See, that's why the K's are coming back down south. <laughs> uh, the name Donald peaked in 1934 uh, when it was the sixth most popular name. When Donald Trump was born in 1946, it was the 13th most popular. So it has fallen. Unlucky number 13. (laughs) Uh, However, the names of presidents do tend to fall in popularity during their administrations. That's actually pretty common across the board. However, Barack is an interesting one because it didn't actually appear in a lot of records until 2007. Uh, and then people si- will tell you that that's because it's his fake name and he was actually an Indonesian uh, Muslim. Oh, this is something I read about the internet just today. He's actually buried. It's going up even more. These people are having the Great Awakening and the the Q and all that stuff. It's going down. I like yeah. old names. I do too, and but I not like too old. No, like my son's is like it's, it's Casimir, it's Kaz, and I like Stanley and Petra, and I like old names. From I like, like the thirties. It's important to remember that the child is going to have to bear that name, and it's not just something to put on an Instagram announcement. I'm not talking about you. No, I know what you mean. No, you know I'm what right. I mean, though. Like people are like, oh yeah, this is this name, and it's like it's not a. But that kid's going to have to have that name it's about when the they're seven. The kid. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if I'm putting you on the spot right now, you had to name a kid. What would you name it? Board Stanley. Stanley. I love Stanley. I like Franklin or Frank is always Franklin fine. I don't. Great. It's like that seems like inoffensive enough, right? Okay, if I had to put you on the spot, boy or girl, let's say boy. Um, I like the name Colin and I like the name James. Colin and James, pretty traditional. Mm-hmm. My girl. Um, I like the name Grace and I like the name Aaron. Petra, I love Petra. I'm gonna stick with Frank on this one. <laughs> Frank, Frank, for both of them. Franklin. Frank. Yeah, Frank. Yeah, Frankie. That's fine. Frankie. Yeah, Frankie. Oh, Frank and Frankie. Yeah. I, that's kind of ruined for me on girls' names. It's but true. I, I, like I, it. I, I do like it. I've always been a big I fan like of that, that for a girls' name. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I have a boys' names. I have a, a unisex name. Oh, I'm just Sam. It could be a boy or a girl. Nobody knows. No. <laughs> Still sometimes. Still sometimes. <laughs> Nobody knows when I say hi. It's Sam. Uh, all right, guys. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that was fun this week. Thank you again to George Hendrickson from Sculpture Space Studio Manager. Great time talking to him. Uh, follow Heather on Twitter uh, at HeatherWaz1. Heather, thank you for being here again, as always. <laughs> follow Kevin at underscore Kevin Sullivan. Kevin, thank you for taking some time out of your Monday, as always. Uh, follow me at SF Do More. Don't just follow the show at Uticast. Uh, Uticast.com for all current and back episodes. Also go to madeandutica.com for updates and your Made in Utica passport. We are on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud. We are taking over the web. Sayonara Humanoids. Woodstock lives. Uh, keep it tight. And uh, maybe by next week we'll know who's on the school board. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? We'll be Sam. Yeah, maybe by then I'm going to put my name on a thousand absentee ballots and send it in. Uh, uh, Have a great week, folks. We will see you next time.